I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, good evening, football fans. Welcome to the show once again. Hope everyone is well and you enjoyed playing in the snow this weekend. Man, that first big shovel is a tough one, isn't it? Back still a little sore today. Uh, let's talk some CFL football, some double E football for the next 30 minutes here on the voice of the double E 630. Chad. One more week without the coach tonight. Scott Milanovic taking a few weeks off, uh, spending it with his family in Pennsylvania. Uh, the coach will return for next week's show one week from tonight. Uh, tonight, we will still talk football. We'll still talk uh, EE football with general manager Brock Sunderland. Later on, we'll hear from quarterback Trevor Harris. But first, we welcome in the general manager brock sundland is on the show now hey brock how are you i'm good how you doing i'm uh, very good thanks very much for uh for talking with us tonight appreciate it let's uh let's start with the news of uh of the week because we really haven't had a lot of news since the uh the cfl announced the cancellation of the 2020 season but uh, late last week they made some changes to the canadian draft and how it's going to operate this year down uh, eight rounds to six a random draft to set up the draft order each team will have the same chance to draft first overall and it will be a snake draft going one to nine and then nine to one for the six rounds. Uh, Brock, give me your initial take on all those changes. Yeah, I think it was wise for us to do this. I think the snake draft in particular, when there's no season played, you don't have a waiver priority with the worst record getting the first pick and the whoever the great cup winner is getting the last. So all the general managers on the call a couple weeks ago agreed that this was the fairest way to do it, somewhat similar to the, the lottery drafts in the other leagues. So if you get the first overall, in the first round, you're going to get the last overall in the second round. Um, and then as far as shortening the rounds with U-Sport not playing this year and some NCAA schools not playing uh, it, and allowing the, those players to potentially come back and play the 2021 fall for their universities, uh, it just made sense to lower from eight to six. All right, well, we've all been in uh, fantasy drafts, whether they be hockey, football, or baseball, whatever the case may be, where it's been a snake draft. And you always wonder, like, where do I want to pick? Do I want to get the first overall pick or and then wait, in this case, 18 picks to pick again? What's your philosophy and what's your thought process on, on that? Uh, do you want the first overall pick or would you like a pick more uh, where you get a, a few higher pick, a couple of picks higher in the, in the top two rounds? Yeah, I think it depends on what the what the draft board looks like at that point. If you have a player at the top of it, your number one overall that you think is really rare that you may not see for the next three or four years or, or more than that, then you're going to want the first overall and hope that there's enough depth in the first two rounds that when you pick 18 overall, you still have talent there. Uh, if there's not a surefire guaranteed number one overall that you think can be a, a drastic game changer immediately, then you probably want to be in the, in the middle range there, maybe four overall. So you're kind of right in the middle and, and in that area, you should get two solid picks with a lot of talent in both rounds. 
So here's what I think. Uh, I don't think the changes addressed the the biggest issue for the draft this year, and that's how do you scout? I mean, there's no <laughs> U Sports, as you mentioned, this year to watch. Uh, scouting staffs around the league have been reduced. What is uh, the EE plan for getting ready for the Canadian draft in 2021? Because this is a draft like you've never seen before. The process, the scouting, everything is just completely out of whack. Yeah, it's it's pretty on par with the world we're in right now, which is everything is very unforeseen and, and drastically different from years previous. What we're doing is evaluating as much as we can, and, and by that I mean the players that played a significant amount of time in previous years that are starters at least in the 2019 season, potentially in the 18 and 19 seasons that you sport in NCAA. You know, we're evaluating those players thoroughly and being as prepared as we can be. And as you would mentioned, players who aren't starters or who haven't played a lot if they do elect to be eligible for the draft, it's going to be challenging because there's not much to go on. So at that time, you hope that we're at a point in the world where we can still have a combine and see these players in person. But you evaluate the players that you can with the most playing time and, and the chips will fall where they fall during the draft as far as who's eligible, who opts in, who opts out, so on and so forth. You you always do a lot of scouting on video anyway, so this draft you, you're not uh, that's not a foreign process to you. But this draft obviously is a little different now. Yeah, tell me the pro- do you have full games or do you have cut ups or what is the situation? Do you get highlight films? How do you go about scouting the guys that are eligible for this year's draft? Yeah, we always go off full games, and the reason why is a highlight film only shows what they do very best. And I'll give you an example: is you can look at a wide receiver in a highlight film. And you're going to see all these spectacular catches and great touchdowns, so on and so forth. What you're not seeing is what do they do on the backside of a play if you're asking them to block? What's their effort if they're not the priority target on a play? And that's what a real football player does throughout the whole play. So we always watch a full game film to get a true assessment of what the player is from snap one to, to the end of the game. And we always watch at least three games. You try to space them out, start of the season, middle of the season, end of the season because changes can happen you know maybe the player got a little nicked up and it wasn't announced so if you're only going off one look you're not getting the whole picture of who the player is what's the easiest and what's the toughest position to scout on tape i think that is depends on who the evaluator is for me it's always the easiest to evaluate wide receivers because i played it and coached it um, O-line and D-line are also easier because you can watch the tight view and it's usually a, a pretty better view to evaluate the, those guys on the interior. Um, if you have a defensive back and he's not throwing that very often and they're in a zone coverage primarily and you're not seeing him in press coverage and he's sitting back there, say, cover four, cover three, there's not a lot of action there. That can be tough at times only because you're not really seeing him involved. You can look at pedal, you can look at hips, you can look at fluidity and athleticism, but tough sometimes if you can't see what he's like tackling or making plays on the ball. I, it kind of reminds me, you were talking about, you know, watching the full game and, and getting the full picture. And again, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, I can't even remember who the player was. I, I, he did play for Edmonton, and, and, and he had his uh, first career interception. Uh, he ran the ball back 20 yards, and then when he got tackled, he fumbled it, and the, and the other team got the ball back. And his agent tweeted out a video of him making his first career interception. And, of course, the video stopped just before he fumbled the football, right? <laughs> so highlight films are deceptive sometimes. That's right. We used to always, you know, when I was with the Jets, we'd always do cut-ups, and that was one of my jobs my first couple of years there, and they were called point-of-attack tapes. So in essence, a highlight film. And it became very obvious that if the 
if the person making the cut up liked the player, you're going to see a lot of really good stuff. And if he didn't like the player, you're going to see all the worst stuff. So it's really not a true picture. And, and, you know, the honest answer is that's the lazy man's way to scout, in my opinion. When you were scouting for the uh, for the last draft, the 2020 draft, um, how much of uh, would you have seen and would you have watched the guys that are eligible for this draft? Would it would it be would do you start your book on those guys early, or do you just talk about them when they make a good play and it kind of comes up a little bit? You notice them because they jump out, and usually players that are at that level. I always say if you're watching a, a game from the stands and you know you're not really focusing on one player and somebody keeps jumping out, either really for positive things or negative things, you're going to notice them. But our focus for this last year was entirely on the 2020 draft class, and that was where we were dialed in. And another rule of thumb in scouting is that you watch the player you're evaluating so you can focus on them from start of the snap until the end of the whistle. If you start looking at too many guys at once, you're going to get a little distracted, and you're not doing it justice for the player that you're evaluating. So we were very much dialed in for this draft class uh, to make sure that we did the best job possible for the 2020 draft you got to feel pretty confident as a as a as a scouter and an evaluator of talent i mean you started it when you were a kid watching your dad work and learning from him and then you've done it for so long uh do you remember the first time you started scouting players i do it was uh i remember it very vividly it was 1989 and i was with my father at a game at the university of montana i was about nine years old and i was in the press box with him and he gave me a list of players to look at I think mostly just to keep me from bothering him while he was working. And I don't remember the player's name, but there's a wide receiver from Eastern Washington that I noticed in pregame and really liked him. And I kept kind of tugging on my dad's shirt saying, you have to look at this guy, have to look at this guy. Well, unbeknownst to me at that time, they have very specific lists of players they have to look at. He was on the list, but he actually had a very good game and you know made some notable, notable, noticeable plays. So that that's a good memory. It was you know with my father, you know doing what he did, learning from him, and, and you know the player that I noticed made some decent plays during the game. So it made me feel like I kind of had a clue what I was doing. You still talk, obviously, still talk scouting with him a lot. Oh yeah, all the time. We we were watching the uh, Jets game uh, right before I hopped on here, so we were going back and forth on our thoughts and opinions of all that stuff going on with with uh, that organization right now. Have you ever reached out to him in your job as as a as a pro scout uh, or even as a general manager in the last uh, four years and just said, hey, what do you think of this guy? Can you send him some tape? You know, he's come up here during training camps the last couple of years, so he'll look at some guys uh, on practice film and, and help me out there a little bit, and I'll get his thoughts on it. And then he'll come up to several games during the course of the year and um, just watch and observe and, you know, just natural discussing the game. So he'll bring things up here and there. But... He's pretty adamant since I got into this role that he doesn't want to be a part of it officially and and have a say because he thinks there's just too much uh, personally involved to and it might cloud the uh, cloud everything just a little bit. But he does it unofficially quite a bit, and we have good discussions. And obviously, I trust his opinion and you know take his advice very seriously. Must be pretty cool to have that kind of figure in your life to bounce things off with, not just with life but with your job as well. It must be pretty cool. Yeah, it is until we disagree on things. <laughs> Dad's always right then, though, right? Remember that. <laughs> That's right. I <laughs> oh, can't ground you anymore, so I guess you can do what you want. Uh, exactly. All right, let's talk about 2021, Brock. Uh, we, we have Eskimos. Uh, we have Double E General Manager Brock Sunderland on the uh, on the line with us tonight on the Double E Coaches Show. Uh, we'll hear from Trevor Harris coming up in a few moments' time. Brock, what can you tell us about 2021? What do you know? What can you share about what's going on uh, behind the scenes as the league prepares and, and attempts to get back on the field? 
Yeah, nothing definite. I wish I had a concrete where I could say, you know, with, without fail, we are absolutely going to play. Uh, I don't think anyone has know that right now, and I think everything going on in the world with COVID is going to dictate that. What I can say is we're preparing as if we're going to, and we're doing everything we can within our power to be prepared and ready to go uh, as soon as we're given the green light to officially make that happen. So we're going to continue to prepare as if there is going to be a 21 season. I know all nine teams in the league office, all the players, all the coaches, everybody uh, at our building right now, everybody wants to play. We're doing everything we can to make that possible. Obviously, some things are going to be out of our control, but everything that we can control, um, we're doing in the matter that we are going to play. Uh, we'd be in the midst of the CFL playoffs right now if we were playing. Uh, it would have been a semifinal weekend uh, just passed, and then the finals coming up this weekend before the Grey Cup uh, would have gone on November 22nd. Uh, you grew up close to the border, correct? The Canadian border? Yeah, not far from about two hours. So you probably got some TV, maybe some radio and everything. What's the first memory you have of a Grey Cup? Ooh, Grey Cup would probably be being younger, eight, nine years old, and watching uh, the, watching the Grey Cup and just looking at the, the all the forward motion and how the thing that really jumped out at me were two things, just the size of the end zone and the no fair catch. I was a punt returner and loved watching returners throughout my whole life, so the no fair catch rule immediately jumped out at me, and I loved it right away. I thought it just created excitement and uh, a chance for a turnover for the punting team and all those things, so... Uh, the end zones, the the no fair catch, and then the, obviously the forward motion. But I'd seen a lot of arena football too, so I'd seen it before, but just not on this size of field. I imagine uh, since you became a GM and since you, you started working in the Canadian Football League, you've obviously watched every Grey Cup since then. Uh, biggest memories, obviously the most vivid memories, 2015 and then 2016 for you? Yeah, you know, happy ones, obviously, 2016, that's that's unreal. You can't really put into words winning it. Um, actually, the uh, probably the besides winning the Grey Cup with the Red Blacks, the biggest Grey Cup memory would be 05 when I was with Montreal. It was my second year with that organization. And the uh, triple overtime loss to the Eskimos always is, is a memory just because of the back and forth and how exciting that game was and, and how bad that hurt. And it really got to a point where three or four days after that i kind of had to have a pep talk with myself where i had to make a determination if i'm gonna let losses affect me this much and i can't you know pull myself up by the bootstraps i need to really consider if i'm if i'm cut out for this job i need to find a way to get over this that one stung really really bad to get that close and, and feel like you're gonna have an opportunity to win one and then you know not have it come through was really difficult we're going to move on to Trevor Harris here in a moment, but uh, one more quick one for you, Brock. Uh, you were with Ottawa in 2015 when they lost to Edmonton in the Grey Cup. Now you work for Edmonton. How many times do you see a reminder of that game walking around the office right now where you work? All the time. All the time. And when I first got here, there were still several players from the 2015 and the 2016 team, and a lot of comments mostly were about 2016, the snow game in Ottawa, and a lot of... Mm -hmm. uh, hey, if you guys had shoveled that thing, it would have been very different and so on and so forth. So uh, it's competitive all the time. So you hear the chirping nonstop, and that's the fun of it. But uh, obviously that was a great team in 2015, and um, it was a good game in the Grey Cup. You know, we jumped out to the 13-0 lead, and, and uh, this organization battled back and, and won it there, and uh, rightfully so, they deserved it. 
All right, Brock. Uh, thanks for that. I appreciate it. By the way, I noticed you guys cleared the snow off post-game while we were doing the post-game show. I always <laughs> thought you could have done that before the, uh, before the game ended to help everybody out. Brock, uh, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, that is uh, general manager of the Double E, uh, Brock Sunderland. Uh, he's not a coach, but... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. My guess is he wants to be one day. Trevor Harris will join us next on the Double E Coaches Show. Could the Jets be on their way to a win? They're up 20 to 10 at the half over the New England Patriots in the Monday night football game. We'll keep our eye on that the rest of the night. Jets, of course, 0 and 8 right now in the NFL season. Uh, the Patriots are 2 and 5. Uh, no coach this week on the coaches show, but we do have a general manager who we talked to already. Now we got a quarterback. Let's uh, say hello and good evening to Trevor Harris. We haven't talked to you for a long time. How you doing, Trev? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm sure you guys miss me terribly in my uh, cliche answers. <laughs> oh, we always miss you, Trevor. Come on. Um, I, I wish we could be talking more, but of course, that's not the situation right now. Uh, lots to talk about with you. We got about uh, six minutes or so to do it. First off, uh, congratulations on the addition to the family. I know it was about eight months ago, but uh, you had a, a second baby boy during uh, during this pandemic. Congratulations on that. How's that going for you? Oh, I appreciate that a lot. It's it's amazing. It's I mean, there's nothing like I tell everybody, you know, uh, of all the cool things, you know, you hear from fans, all the cool nicknames you get, the best name I've ever gotten is Dad Dad, and it's it's a blessing, man. I'm I'm thankful. Ah, congratulations to you and and your wife on that. Trace, where did that name come from? Uh, it's just something that we've we've liked for a long time. Uh, we actually almost changed uh, Trenton, my first one, TJ. Uh, we almost changed his name last minute to Trace because we just really loved the name and. Um, we really like the name Trey, and uh, that's how probably what we'll end up shortening it to is Trey, but we really like the name Trace, too, so we're kind of in a battle with that. But he's developed a nickname of Baby Tank, and so uh, we've, we've been calling him Baby Tank for eight months, and so it's now kind of hard to, to sway away from that. So, uh, but, but we love the name, so uh, we're, we're, we're happy with it. So we're talking O-lineman, not quarterback right now? Yeah, yeah, but the guy's an eater, and uh, he got the nickname Baby Tank because he just eats so much. So, uh, yeah, but he's we're hoping we're hoping he develops into a uh, to a quarterback someday. But but my wife's always joking like she's like, honey, I think he's going to be a D lineman, and whatever whatever makes him happy. <laughs> Hey, if he's eating a lot, he might end up being a media guy. You never know, so be careful there, right? <laughs> um, He'll be up there eating donuts with you guys next year. <laughs> what have you been doing for the last uh, seven, eight months? How has this hit you both both physically and emotionally with no football season this year? Yeah, it's been, it's been frustrating um, on the mental and emotional side, uh, physical side as well, you know, especially with how good I've been feeling. I uh, went and trained at TB12 this offseason. I've been putting in a lot of work in terms of, you know, keeping my body in terms of shape, in terms of being young and, uh, have been able to have longevity, be able to play in my 40s if I want to do that, and if I'm blessed to do that. And uh, so I put a lot of time in with that, and I was looking forward to seeing how that was going. And the way that I've kind of reoriented, reoriented uh, my body with my training is 
uh, wanted to put it to the test and, and go to war this year, but uh, didn't get that opportunity. But I've uh, I've kind of gone a different route in terms of just always trying to flip stones and see what I can learn. And so I'm back in school right now with uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine, and I'm working. Uh, I've already got my certification as a uh, personal trainer, and not to be a personal trainer. I just want to learn, um, you know, the anatomy of the body, how the body works, and how I can kind of, you know, maximize my body as well. And then I'm also getting my uh, also getting a, a degree in terms of being a nutritionist as well and i've been doing a self-study myself into probably about 40 50 hours into neuroscience just trying to figure out how the brain works and how i can kind of just you know find tricks here and there to uh to maximize my mental performance and then working with my mental performance coach still as well uh dr chantal lussier out of montreal and so uh just just fired up for for whatever the future brings and just fired up for the next season Oh, that's great. At least you're not sitting around eating cheesies like so many of us are right now during this whole thing. So good for you. Um, what kind no, of effect? Six days a week. I, I'll, I, I can send you guys a new program since I'm certified to do that now. So Hey, I'm, I'm game. As long as it's free, I'll take it for sure. <laughs> uh, what kind of effect do you think? What kind of effect do you think a year off is going to have on play in the CFL when, uh, when and if we get going in uh, 21? My guess would be you're going to have some sloppy play. Uh, at the start and so i hope that uh you know we can kind of uh i'm not in the pa but hopefully the pa can kind of talk to the league and have a little maybe a little bit longer of a training camp uh just with the year off i mean you've watched rob gronkowski this year for instance it's taken him it took him a few weeks to kind of get rolling and that's how everybody's going to be you know nobody's played football since 2019 as of in 2021 and so going into camp is going to be a little bit different timing's going to be different you know guys have and it's been a year and a half since they played. So maybe that comes into effect and we can kind of get a few more reps. But uh, if not, you know, maybe it'll be just a tad bit more sloppy. But the CFL is great football. It has amazing players. Our fans are amazing. The game's amazing. And as soon as the CFL comes back, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back roaring because, because of the product we put on the field and the fans that make this league so great. And so many people are waiting for that to happen. Trevor, I wish we had more time to talk tonight, but we will do it again, I'm sure. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, congratulations again on the addition to the family, and uh, hope to see you soon. All right, guys. Take care. There is double uh, E quarterback Trevor Harris joining us tonight. Uh, thanks to Trevor. Thanks to double uh, E GM uh, Brock Sunderland as well. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer of the program tonight. One week from tonight, the coach is back on the double E coaches show. My name is Morley Scott. I will see you tomorrow morning on 630 Chad Mornings with Chelsea and Shea. Good night, everybody. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.